0: Good morning Cedarville, Good morning. Good morning. I am Ethan Foster and I'm glad to serve as the sophomore class chaplain. It is awesome to be here with all you little sibs. I wanna shout out my favorite little sibling actually, AJ Bosworth, would you stand up, everyone? It's my roommate's little sibling. Say hi, AJ. Hi, AJ. All right, sweet. Say hi to him if you see him around campus too, you know. But if you have your Bibles, go and open up to John 17, that'll be the sermon text today, John 17, 20 through 23. I'd like to thank everyone who has been praying for me in the preparation for this lesson. Praying for someone is truly a great gift and I am thankful for that. And actually, in today's sermon text, we're going to read about Jesus, the Son of God, prays for us. John 17 is what we call the high priestly prayer. Now, this comes right after the upper room discourse where the disciples and Jesus were talking for a while. But Jesus in John 17 begins to pray for his disciples. And soon after John 17, he would be arrested and eventually then hung on a cross and crucified for our sins and raised again to new life. So in John 17, some things to be highlighting in this high priestly prayer is the idea that Jesus is leaving, leaving soon. He's gonna give the disciples some instructions of what they should be doing while Jesus is gone. Another thing to know in this chapter is that Jesus has been talking about how he is truly one with the Father. He's talking about some things in the Trinity and how he is one with the Father, but he was also sent by the Father. Now, we are one with Christ and Christ has sent us. And it is in reflection of Christ's unity with the Father and Christ being sent by the Father that we must act. And that is what we will see today. So, as we read this passage, be looking for how we should respond to the unity of Christ and the Father. We're gonna go through three main points for today. The first will be what Jesus was praying for. The second will be why Jesus was praying for this. And the third will be how this will be accomplished. And we will walk through that. If you would, please be standing for the reading of the word of God. John 17, verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may believe that you sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. This is the word of the Lord, and this is good news. Thank you. You may be seated. Let us go to the word, the Lord, in prayer. Dear Father, I thank you uh, for this text today. I thank you that Jesus prayed for us. What a gift that is. I pray that uh, this passage would truly change us and that we would see that our unity is missional. In Jesus' name, by the power of spirit, amen. So as we jump into this passage, it's a very special passage and it's easy to apply to us because originally, Jesus here, he would have been praying specifically for his disciples around him and his followers, but at the very beginning of the passage we saw that Jesus expanded who he's praying for. In verse 20, he says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, the disciples, but for those who believe in me through their word. So Jesus, he shifts here from focusing just on the disciples to praying for us. We are those who have believed on the account of the disciples' words. This is a special passage because the Son of God is praying for you and me. So what he is praying for is quite important. That is the first point, what Jesus is praying for. What Jesus prayed for in this passage is found in verse 21. He says that they may all be one. Jesus, with his prayer for us, he decided to pray for our unity. Now, we talk about unity a lot, and it sounds like a cool thing, but Jesus prays for a specific type of unity. Look at ver- the full verse of 21. He says, Jesus, speaking to the Father, says that they would all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. Look at verse 22, that they may be one just as we are one. The, the type, the quality of unity that Jesus is asking for us is one that reflects the unity of the Father and the Son. Honestly, it's, it's hard to even try to comprehend the unity, the oneness that the Father and the Son have. Every relationship that we have been in is in some way stained by sin. We, we can't even comprehend this unity. The unity of the Trinity stands perfectly with no stain of sin, they are perfectly one. Look at the end of verse 24. Jesus says to the Father, "'For you loved me before the foundation of the world.'" The Trinity has this preeminent love before the world was even created. It is an amazing bond of unity that we see in the Trinity, and it's hard to even comprehend, but that is the unity that we have been invited into, but also called to imitate in our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a high calling. Let me break down this idea of unity into two categories. We'll talk about unity in the local church and unity in the global church. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 12, my favorite chapter. Romans 12, we are gonna talk about what it means to be one with your local church. We're gonna start reading in verse four. Romans 12 verse four says, for just as we have many members in one body and all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberty, and he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is the call of the local church, to be one as the body of Christ. We are one in Christ. That is what the church is called. So how do we act as one in our local churches? I think a good question for us would be, if we never went back to our local church, would anyone notice? Would there be a need? You see, we should serve in our local churches and we should be known. We should use the gifts that we have been given so that we could build up the body of Christ. We should also build up real connections with the people there. Crazy idea, but what if we stopped leaving the courtesy seat between us and the next person at church. I know that might be a little bit too much, but I hope you guys would desire to get to know the people in your local bodies. Would you not just walk in to hear a sermon and then walk out? This is something I'm trying to work on as I can tend to get distracted by the allurement of Chuck's Sunday lunch. It's always amazing. Cedarville, would you say that you are attending a church in such a way that you are truly one with that body? Do you really know people there? And are you really deeply known? How are you using your gifts to serve that body? In our local churches, we must remember that we are this one part of the body of Christ. So we must act like it, serve and be known. Now, in this chapel, we have the gift of representing many, many different local churches around Ohio. But we represent just a small portion of the global church. So that's what we will look at next. How we can show unity, be one with the global body of Christ. Now this part tends to be more difficult in my opinion. Maybe you struggle with what beliefs of other denominations you can get along with. Or maybe like me, you struggle with being judgmental or cynical about other Christians. Maybe I'm the only one, hopefully I'm the only one that's had this thought, but I've been here in this chapel and we're worshiping the Lord in song. And I look out and I see someone raising their hand in worship and the thought crosses my mind. They're only doing that for attention. What a horrible thought, first of all. That's so judgmental, it's not beneficial to anyone. I'm really good at judging people, and I do it far too often. Maybe you struggle with the same thing. Here's another thought I've heard or talked about uh, on social media. Cedarville is the only real Christian college. All these other Christian colleges, they're not doing it right. They don't love God like we do. First of all, that doesn't sound too humble of us to say, and it's also pretty judgmental. I believe a lot of us need to grow in this area. I think it's fair to say that Jesus did not desire this judgmental Christianity. He prayed for us to be one. John Wood gave a helpful statement for how we can be one with the global body of Christ. The statement is, we should have a generous heart and a critical thinking mind. So first, what does it look like to have a generous heart towards other Christians? Paul gives us a great example of this generous heart mentality in Philippians 1. Philippians 1, he's talking about how he knows that some people are preaching Christ out of false motives. But what is his response? Philippians 1.18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed and in this I rejoice, yes, I will rejoice. Paul's primary reaction to others of preaching on a false motive was to not shoot errors of judgment, it was to rejoice, he had a generous heart. So when you see a person claiming to worship the Lord, do not be judgmental first, rejoice, praise the Lord. However, we see That there is also the idea of having a critical thinking mind notice that Paul in Philippians 1 he is talking about those who are truly preaching Christ dr. Bowman comments on John 17 saying yes we should be unified but this is not a unity at all costs we must be unified around something we must have unity around the true gospel so Having a critical thinking mind means that we evaluate if what we are unified is truly the gospel and its essentials. Jesus's desire when he was praying for us was for his followers to be one. So this is how we ought to address being one with the global church of Christ. We should have generous hearts, but also critical thinking minds. I see a great application of this every week at my local church, Every week we spend just a bit of time praying for other local churches that are preaching the word of Christ. What a great way to participate and to to labor and love for other Christians. What if we started praying for other churches? What if Cedarville started praying for other schools? Let us pray for God to continue his work that he's doing at Malone, Liberty, Grove City, Bob Jones, Asbury, and many other colleges. Let us lift our eyes to see that we have many brothers and sisters at these schools. Let us pray for them. Now, let's move on to the second point of this passage, why Jesus prayed for our unity. Let me give you two reasons why Jesus prayed for our unity. First, look at verse 13 of John 17. Jesus says, but now I come to you and these things I speak into the world that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Jesus prayed for our unity because it is a stream of full joy that flows from him. Jesus does not offer us fleeting earthly joys, no, no, no. He offers us true joy from himself. I hope you guys enjoy this unity. It is such a privilege to be taught by a professor on Friday and see that same man worshiping the Lord on Sunday. Out of all people in the world, Christians ought to be the happiest, the ones that laugh the most. Our biggest problem has been solved. This should bring us great joy. We have a shared experience, brothers and sisters. We have all been crucified with Christ and raised with him to new life. Now, some would assume that when we talk about Christian unity and being one, that we should just separate from the world, just get as far away as we can from it. However, this was not Jesus' desire. Look at verse 15. Jesus prays to the Father, saying, I do not ask that you would take them out of the world. The point of our unity is that we'd not become some uninviting clique. We should not look out on the world as our enemies, but we should look out at unbelievers with compassion, knowing that they were once separated from Christ as well. Brothers and sisters, it is not about us versus them. It's about them becoming us. Do we live in such a way that our unity is invitational? Our unity must be missional. Jesus tells us that this is the purpose of our unity. Look at verse 21. He says, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Look at the end of verse 23 as well. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Our unity will tell the world of Christ's love. Unity adorns our gospel proclamation. It is clear that our unity has this missional purpose. This was honestly mind blowing for me when I learned it first in missions class. But it just makes so much sense when you look back through scripture to see that God's people should be united in inviting others to join the family. Imagine with me for a minute. You're walking through a neighborhood and you look to your left. You see a bright house with a loving family sitting around the dinner table, a great meals being served, You see the siblings laughing and playing together. You see a father speaking encouraging words to his children, and you see a mother enjoying the family. Now, imagine the next house you pass by. This one, dimly lit. You see a father yelling at a son. You see siblings arguing, and you see a mother in tears. Let me ask you, which house would you rather enter? which house is inviting you to come sit at the table and join the family. We must evaluate how we treat our Christian brothers and sisters to see if unbelievers would be interested in joining into this family. We must look at how the world has been viewing our Christian family. I fear far too often we do not embody the first loving, welcoming family. It was Gandhi who said, if it weren't for Christians, I'd be a Christian. This is how our family has been viewed. Christ did not die so that some people could argue their way through this earth as they go to heaven. Christ died to unite us to him and in him we are all one so that the world may believe and God would receive all the glory. Jesus made this clear link for us, that our ability to be on mission and to evangelize to unbelievers is intimately tied to our unity within our own body. As I pondered this, I considered how many believers have turned their face away from the gospel of grace because it has been brought by ministers of judgment. Do you know of anyone who has rejected Christ because of how Christians treat other Christians? Have you ever thought of the faces that may be waiting to hear the gospel from a unified body of believers? Eternity is at stake. Now we must understand that the Lord will accomplish his supreme plans even while we fall short. However, Jesus made this clear link for us that our ability to be on mission and to evangelize is linked to our Christian unity. By missional, know that I don't just mean missionaries and pastors, I mean everybody. We all are working to be a part of God's mission. Our unity will be for our joy and for his mission. Now on to the third point, how this will be accomplished. I'm sure you know that being unified isn't easy, Maybe with all your little siblings here too, you know it's not easy to love your brothers and sisters well. We must look to the words of Christ for how this will be accomplished. Look at verse 23. Jesus says, I in them and you in me. Jesus is in us and the Father is in Jesus. Now, I'm only a Bible major, so I'm not that great at numbers or math or anything. But if Christ is in us and God is in Christ, then what follows is that God is in us. This is amazing. This ought to give us goosebumps. God has chosen to dwell with us and to empower us. This is what we call abiding, that we would submit our will to the Father and let him live through us. Major Ian Thomas wrote an amazing book on abiding called The Indwelling Life of Christ. I'm gonna read a short excerpt to talk about abiding. It says, to get light from an oil lamp, filling it first with oil is entirely reasonable. To get a car to provide you with transportation, filling the tank with gas is completely logical. In the same way, divine logic affirms that obtaining righteousness from a man or woman happens only when that person is filled with God. It's oil in the lamp, gas in the car, and Christ in the Christian. Brothers and sisters, we have no hope of obtaining this oneness, this unity with each other on our own power. We could try with all our might to be unified, but arguments will become long and our tempers will become short. So we should just quit trying on our own. This should be our prayer when we are struggling to get along, to love a brother or sister in Christ. Lord, I cannot do this, but Jesus, you can and you are in me. I thank you for what you will do in this situation. This is how we submit our will to the Father and let him work the unity within us. It is by our unity with Christ that we will be unified with others in his body. This is how we are going to be unified, Cedarville, by abiding with Christ, by living as one in him. It's God in him and him in us what greater power could we ask for? So we've been walking through Jesus's prayer for our unity. Remember that this passage is sort of given as a, Jesus is going away, this is what the disciples should be doing in the meantime. So imagine you're like a house sitter, okay? And the the homeowner, they give you a list of instructions of what you should do while they're gone. It says that you should water the plants, feed the cat, and clean the house while they're gone. Now you you read this list and maybe you even read it again after they're gone, and and then you read it again and you you start to memorize it. You even memorize the whole list of what you're supposed to do. And then you take it and you break it down into different sections, and then you even invite your friends over. And you say, hey, this this is what this list means, and this is how you see the different sections. But you never actually do what the list says at the end of the day. That would be ridiculous, right? The homeowner would come back and the, the plants would be wilted. The cat probably died and the house would be in shambles. Cedarville, the homeowner is coming back. Let us not merely read these instructions. Let us live by them. Let us to them. Jesus gave us some stuff to do while he's gone. Let's work towards his mission. This unity of our, (laughs) this unity, (laughs) caught me off guard there. (laughs) Know that Jesus prayed for our unity. This is what he desired for his followers, generations after he left this earth. We will have to be one with the global body of Christ by having a generous heart and a critical thinking mind. We also should be one with our local churches by using our gifts and serving, but also knowing people and being known. This unity is for our joy and it is for his mission so that others would actually want to join our family. And this unity will only be obtained by our unity with Christ. must abide and walk in him so that we could be one as the body of Christ let us apply this passage today I guarantee you you will have a chance to do this there are many brothers and sisters in this room that you could choose to love I don't know when you'll get this opportunity today whether that's in class in the line at chick-fil-a or in the dorm room but today you will have a chance Maybe you could choose to criticize someone or you could choose to compliment them. Let's act as the body of Christ. Let's be one with each other. Now, to close, we're going to do one more song. But we're going to leave the house lights on just a little bit. And my hope is that you guys will be looking around at your brothers and sisters in Christ. As we praise the king, look to each other and realize That that is your brother or sister in Christ who is praising the king with you. Let us pray to the Lord and then we will praise the Lord. Dear Father, I thank you for your word and how it encourages our hearts. God, I pray that it would work a unity within us I pray that Cedarville would clearly be a unified campus, God. People would see us, and what they would see is the body of Christ. I pray that we'd remember that this cannot be done on our own power. We must lean into the unity that we share with you. I thank you for what you will do, Lord. We trust you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, by the power of the Spirit, amen.